This is News Talk on the VOCM Bigland FM radio network. The views and opinions on this program are not necessarily those of this station. And now your News Talk host, Linda Swain. And good afternoon, everyone, on this uh, beautiful Wednesday afternoon. Well, this just in, and you just heard Noah Shepard make mention of it, the Liberty Consulting Group has advised the Board of Commissioners of the Public Utilities Board that it plans to transition away from its consulting role with the board. As you know, Liberty Consulting had provided uh, quite extensive consulting uh, work for the PUB on um, things like Nalcor, Hydro, Muskrat Falls, the list goes on and on. Uh, according to a release just uh, issued, Liberty explained to the PUB that it cannot guarantee the long-term resources and continuity required for the board's endeavors in the province's profound transition to a secure and affordable electric energy future given the current anticipated timelines. Liberty's decision to step away will not disrupt the board's work as the gap in critical activities over the next several months provides ample opportunity for the board to engage new consultants. Liberty has committed to continuing to provide its full support during this transition period, including working with the new consultants as they begin their work and become familiar with the issues. That's according to a release just issued by the PUB. So that's a very interesting turn of events. Well, Claudette, today was the first day of school. How exciting. Oh, yeah. How was it in your household? Uh, remarkably low-key. Low-key, yeah. Remarkably low-key. Like, I was expecting, you know, a little bit of panic or, or something. Resistance. Uh, a little bit of resistance, yeah. But <laughs> more panic on my part because I'm usually like, did you do this? Did you do this? Did you do this? <laughs> um, you know, the bus is coming. The bus is coming! You know, those kinds of things. That didn't happen. It was all very... Yeah, cool. We got this. Resigned. Okay. On we go. Uh, But it's my favorite time of year on Facebook, I have to say. I got to say, there's a lot of wonderful pictures up. And uh, that's something that we didn't have, I didn't have growing up. You know, you wouldn't see all that. You go back now into real photos and have a look and boy they're so different than they are today yeah. now they're all posting the grades and yes you know, exactly yeah. um, little things like that I noticed as well that the police too are putting up guidelines on how to how you should and shouldn't what information you should and shouldn't put out absolutely on that as well yeah which which was interesting just some basic little tweaking that some parents can do yeah absolutely because some people give a little too bit much too much information, information about their children yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, and also that you know they trick it through Facebook by saying, you know, uh, here's a, a mommy quiz. Right? And then you get pers- give them personal information. And all of that personal information, the birth dates of all your people. Mother's your maiden name. All yeah. that stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, just, you know, share, but be careful. But not overshare. Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> but I do love this time of year and get all the pictures of the kids looking so happy and excited. And, you know, those it, it's those yearly transitions where you see you know from one year to the next just how much yeah a little person can <laughs> can grow in the blink of an eye yes. yeah for sure anyway i i love it uh and the first day seems to have gone well <laughs> i just got the little update so <laughs> uh, yeah very exciting indeed the bank of canada this is uh this is a major uh news item that affects everyone 
virtually everyone. Uh, the Bank of Canada holding its key interest rate at 5% amid growing calls from provincial politicians urging a different approach to rising inflation. As you know, Premier Andrew Fury yesterday echoed his counterparts in British Columbia and Ontario in calling on the Bank of Canada to hold the line on interest rate increases. But hold on now. The Premier is getting a little bit of uh, pushback and flack on that because, ostensibly, Premiers should not be offering that kind of advice to independent uh, agencies and institutions like the Bank of Canada. They've got their own reasons for doing things, and they're not going to be influenced by politicians, nor should they be. But doesn't he have, like, his comeback is he's just a citizen? Well, <laughs> that's what we're going to hear coming up shortly. You've just taken the punchline away oh, from me. Oh, sorry. Uh, no, the move has raised eyebrows, including Memorial University political scientist Kelly Bleduc, uh, who took to X. Hard to get used to that now, Claudette. I X, keep calling it Twitter. Formerly known as Twitter. You can't say you X'd. You're tweeting on t- X? I, I don't know. Uh, raised concerns about politicians trying to influence independent bodies like the Bank of Canada. Well, Fury spoke with reporters today, including VOCM's Richard Duggan. You're never in a position to instruct uh, an independent agency or institution like the Bank of Canada, but it's my job as Premier of Newfoundland and Labrador to advocate on behalf of the people of Newfoundland and Labrador. So I thought it was appropriate ahead of today's announcement, whatever the governor decides, to express my view. No different than any other Canadian has the right to do, to express my view on where we are right now with respect uh, to interest rates and inflation. And look, last year, if you had been doing the same interview, I would have said, sure, the Bank of Canada absolutely has to act. But last year, the inflation was touching 9%. Now it's touching 3%, which is in within their kind of within their their variance of where it should be between one and three percent. Their target is two. So I felt it was appropriate uh, on behalf of the people of Newfoundland and Labrador to express my view and what we're hearing with respect to the cost of living, especially families who are faced with variable rate mortgages or mortgages that are coming to renewal. Again, not instructing the Bank of Canada but expressing the view of Newfoundland and Labrador to the Bank of Canada, which is the appropriate relationship. Is the right decision to pause, as they did today? I do, indeed, yes. Because one of the things, you may say, well, inflation hasn't hit the target rate. What I would suggest is that the changes that have happened so rapidly over the last year have not fully had the opportunity to bite. The impact of those changes, I mean, we've gone from 2 to, you know, up to 7%, depending on the bank. That Those changes have not been able to really bite yet and take hold. And so I would argue that that needs a more fulsome time frame. And if it doesn't work and inflation continue, changes direction again, then that deserves a different look again. But right now, as it's approaching its target of 3% or 2, 2 to 3%, I think it's the time to just let's take a breather and let's take some time and see if these measures really have the impact that presumably they were desired, they they were designed, sorry, to to achieve. So that was Andrew Fury, citizen, (laughs) uh, giving his thoughts on the Bank of Canada rate. And while, you know, uh, he's echoing the concerns of a lot of people when it comes to giving the Bank of Canada that or or giving the, the measures that the Bank of Canada has taken to now time to 
have those impacts on the economy. We're starting to see the economy slowing a little bit now. Um, but what's it going to mean in another couple of months when more and more people's um, mortgages come up for renewal and that sort of thing, and all of a sudden they're facing this huge hike? We're seeing the immediate impacts on people with variable rate mortgages, but those who have fixed rate mortgages and their amortization rates are coming to uh, maturity, then um, what does that mean? Uh, and, you know, it's on everybody's mind. If you have a mortgage, it's on your mind. Uh, so while his points are, are you know, reflect Valid. what a lot of people are saying, as premier, and he is a citizen, but he's also premier, uh, there can't be any political um, influence being put or seen to be put on, on groups like the Bank of Canada when they're doing these types of things. And, you know, I, I, I understand the political um, uh, he's I darned guess. if he does or darned if he doesn't, because if he didn't, <laughs> people yeah. would tell him, well, why uh, didn't And he you? says he's expressing the concerns yeah. of the people. Uh, but, you know, when you're in those kinds of roles, it's it gets trickier. Anyway, if you have thoughts on that, you're certainly welcome to give us a call. Uh, coming up, of course, today was the first day of school for most students in the K-12 system across the province. We'll hear from the Education Minister next. This is News Talk on VOCM. Nutrition, exercise, keeping the cold at bay. Whatever keeps you feeling great, the Wellness and Healthy Lifestyle Show on your VOCM. It is 418, and uh, we are into news talk now with VOCM's Linda Swain, who's uh, just uh, getting into our studio there now. Uh, sometimes we think that we have a little bit more time than we I do. I get so excited. She does, I gotta and, say. And. Uh, <laughs> When I see news, I run out to the newsroom to tell them all about it. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, right. I'm live on the air. <laughs> I got to go back. Well, I uh, panicked. I saw you run out. I'm like, what just happened? Where is she going? Uh, yes. Yeah, sorry about that. But I'm back. I'm back. Uh, it's only a few steps that away. So I thought I had uh, just that little tiny fraction of more time. Well, uh, talking about wanting more time, some kids probably wanted more time before school opened today. But today was the first day of school for students across the province. Education Minister Crystalyn Howell greeted students and their families outside Viking Trail Academy in Plum Point this morning. Well, hello, Minister Howell. Hello, how are you? Great. Back in the district for back to school? Absolutely. Welcome back to school to all the, the kids, the teachers, the staff, and uh, no doubt the parents and guardians who were uh, all anxious this morning getting kids out the door. For sure. So you were in Plum Point uh, watching all the excitement at Viking Trail Academy. What was it like? Yes, it was great. We had the opportunity to, to stop in here and uh, chat with some of the students. We met the kindergarten students who are so excited to, to take on their first day. Uh, we've been able to speak with the teachers here who've worked so hard over the last few weeks to make sure that everything was up and running. And uh, we went through all the classes and I had the chance to talk to students from kindergarten to grade 12 today. It's amazing, isn't it? It brings it all back, doesn't it? It sure does. It sure does. Yeah. And I, I told somebody I can't pick my favorite grade because I loved school and uh, certainly excited to be part of it on this end of the, the conversation today. So what does the 2023-24 school year look like? I understand that uh, uh, enrollment is up. Is that right? For the second year in a row, we have uh, recorded 
increase in our enrollment in our school system here in Newfoundland and Labrador. And, you know, we've, we've diversified our, our student base and we're looking to continue to build on those things. Uh, with that, you know, it's, it's a good thing. With that, though, we do have some challenges. So we've been able to work with the teachers and, and staff and administrators to provide additional teaching resources where appropriate. And uh, we've, we've done some great things. We recently um, announced the lifting of the 1.6-kilometer uh, rule. So now all kids will have access to uh, busing for schools. And this year we're, we're phasing it in, of course. This year is the, the first round of that. And next year we'll fully implement so that all kids will have a ride to school, that the school's in their uh, particular zones. So uh, great things are happening in the Department of Education and uh, certainly exciting day for us. So what other changes have been made for this school year to address some of those uh, needs? Some of the, the unique challenges that we faced in some of our hard-to-fill positions was one of the, the things that we worked on specifically this summer. We wanted to uh, get ahead of the game a little bit and uh, offer some increased incentives to our hard-to-fill positions, you know, schools that were notoriously hard-to-fill. And we had some great success with that program this year. I'm looking to build on that as we continue to work with the uh, NLTA we're working closely with them as we develop a recruitment and retention plan for teachers in Newfoundland and Labrador. So uh, we're largely pleased with how that rolled out. Of course, you know, recognize that there are still vacancies to be filled, but it's uh, the numbers changing even by the day as uh, they still offer positions to teachers and uh, some of that settles over the, the course of the next week. So, you know, we've, we've got a lot of great things happening uh, in the department. We've worked on a uh, transformation plan for education. We have a deputy minister who's specifically assigned to that as we look at how we do education in Newfoundland and Labrador. So that'll be a big piece of the conversation moving forward in this school year is um, I want to hear from the teachers on the ground, those who are on the day-to-day how we can do things better for um, educating our students in Newfoundland and Labrador. So as we move forward in the school year, I just want to let people know that that'll be a a conversation that'll be happening and certainly give everybody opportunities to to feed in. And uh, I know that the conversation in recent years, and COVID was a big part of it, has been towards safety and wellness. But academic, of course, is uh, academics is a big part of why we all go to school. And are we meeting those um, um, thresholds now when it comes to um, um, getting into post-secondary and those kinds of things? There were some real concerns about that, and uh, former Premier Dwight Ball uh, looked into that with his task force. But uh, how are we doing on the academic side of things? Yeah, we continue to to look at those things and uh, continue to build on some of the great work that has been done before. Um, My predecessor actually worked on a uh, a forum that brought together the different aspects, the the K-12 system and the post-secondary system where they had a conversation and were able to identify some of the challenges that we're facing coming out of COVID and uh, some of the learning loss that may have occurred and and how we can work together to fill some of those gaps. So um, we're certainly interested in continuing that conversation as we move forward to make sure that we're getting the best outcomes for our students. And finally, what's your message now to the entire school community as we head into another new year? Well, I just want to say welcome back to everybody. want to let everybody know that, that we've been working really hard in the department. You know, there's a, there's a lot of moving parts 
that come together to make sure that our schools are ready to, to open on the first day. And I want to give a big hat back to the administrators, the staff, and those who work throughout the summer to make sure that the, the windows are, are clean, squeaky clean, and the floors are shiny. Uh, the teachers and staff who've done an incredible job of making our schools welcoming, making our classrooms uh, feel like a, a good place for kids to learn. And I know that they've worked hard on that. So thank you very much to them for their hard work. And a, a quick message to the students is that, you know, we want you to have the best opportunities, but we want you to take advantage of every opportunity. We want you to, to put in uh, your best efforts, which is, is the most that we can ask for everybody, to do your best on the daily and to enjoy every minute of your school year. Minister Crystalline Howell, really appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you so much. So that's Crystalline Howell up in Plum Point. Uh, she attended school at Viking Trail Academy uh, there this morning. Uh, she didn't attend classes, but she greeted everybody as they were showing up. You can sort of hear the excitement in her voice. I spoke to her a short time after she had come out of that. Uh, and you really do. It, it's kind of infectious, isn't it, Claudette? You, you, you get that same feeling you got when you were a youngster, when you see... It brings you back. Going. Yeah, it really and then does. You think about your own experiences, and yeah, it's just one of those feel-good moments. Back to school is not just for the kids. <laughs> no, it's not. What is that commercially? It's the most wonderful Wonder. time. <laughs> uh, when yeah. it, you know they're out of your hair, they're back in school now. But uh, no, it's it's an exciting time uh, for sure. Um, uh, something else that's happening today is Cold Harvest 2023. It's a, a fairly sizable. Um, aquaculture um, convention that's underway now in St. John's and the town of Hermitage has been reaping the benefits uh, of the local aquaculture industry. My colleague Jerry Lynn Mackey caught up with Mayor Steve Carew at the Cold Harvest 23 conference in St. John's earlier today. So what brings you to the Cold Harvest Conference 2023? Well, the I've been there, I don't know, seven or eight years now. Uh, we had a little break from COVID, but I was there last year for the world one. Um, my town uh, depends on the agriculture industry, and I support it 100%. Uh, I'm actually told that I'm the uh, ambassador for agriculture in Newfoundland now. So anyway, I, I, I try to do my best. And, but like I say, without the agriculture industry, we wouldn't exist down there. The Coastal Bay's oily depends on it. We've got... I mean, 99% uh, employment rate down there. Everybody who wants to work can work. Uh, it makes good money. I mean, everybody got two vehicles now. One time you couldn't afford one. Now most people got two, right? Because they're working in two different industries. One's on the fish plant and one's on the farm. So, like, it's a, a very busy place for a small place of about 400 people. Uh, most days there's 14, 15 transport trucks coming and going. There's people coming from all over the coast base to work in Hermitage. So we're, we're doing great and we love it. So we got to come and support it the best we can fair to say your community benefits from agriculture? Oh, 100%. Like, uh, last year when, when our, uh, at the end of the year, our town manager and they said we had a 99% tax collection rate. I mean, we've never seen it before. We got nobody, there's hardly anybody down there on social services anymore. If you want to work, you can work. And that's as easy as it is. They're still looking for work, workers. I mean, we had 11 foreign workers there this year. We've never seen it in Hermitage before, and they adjusted great. They didn't even want to leave when they had to leave after six months. They went to New Brunswick. And we accepted them with open arms, and it was great. They were great people, beautiful people, and we, we love them. Where were the workers from? Uh, they were from uh, Taiwan, I believe. Yeah, so, and they adjusted quite well. I mean, they didn't have a vehicle, and 
they lived in Sandyville and the plants and everybody's people would actually just pick them up and bring them to work right and, and they loved it and you know we, we we do whatever we can to make people feel comfortable and our, my, the residents of my town are great so you know we just keep doing what we're doing and we'll keep it up as long as we can what's catching your attention here today uh, it's just uh, it's a great vibe here this year uh, after three years of uh, you know everybody had to get through COVID and whatever so everybody's pretty excited this year last year it was really big and it was a world one but this year is more local so you get to talk to different people and whatever and just promote the industry the best we can so it's got a really good value this year and that's that's what we want what do you think mayor will is there more opportunity for further aquaculture growth oh definitely uh, is happening every day We're putting in more so it's technology changing all the time so it makes it you know better safer for the environment and our that's our main goal down there is you know keep up with the environment keep doing what we can and uh, we'll just keep plugging away and, and, until we can't i guess but for, for now we're looking forward to it and this is going to be an exciting future for uh, town room descendeville awesome are there any concerns the biggest concern i guess is infrastructure we need more infrastructure now because it's getting bigger and there's more boats of course there's more people so infrastructure needs are great down there we, we need more wharfage and stuff like that so that's what we're working on now and hopefully you know within the next few years we'll we'll get that straightened away and then it's just business as usual so that's the mayor of uh, Hermitage, Sandyville, Stephen Carew, at Cold Harvest 2023, talking about what aquaculture has meant to his particular community. 400 people, and he says, if you want work, you got work. Uh, um, uh, and talking about how, uh, you know, some way that uh, a lot of people could understand. He said people who either couldn't afford a car or only had one car, now they got two. I noticed uh, that, yeah. So um, that's a big difference. That's his way of saying, you know, it's good pay working out well in our mm-hmm. area so uh anyway it is interesting to get those perspectives for sure and there are a lot of people involved in that conference uh, today and tomorrow here in the saint john's area well coming up don't worry be happy that's the message government is sending with well-being week we'll tell you more about what that is right after this stay informed and have your say on the news of the day with your vocm join linda swain weekday afternoons from 4 to 5 p.m. for an hour of talk and discussion with decision makers and listeners like you. News Talk on your VOCM. And we're back. Um, I don't know about you, Claudette, but um, I'm noticing a lot of people sick these days. Have you? I am noticing that. Yeah. yeah. And there's a, there was a like a, I don't know what you would call it, some kind of a virus or a flu or something that was going around the summer. I picked some up during my vacation. Yes. Um, and it was just, you know, one of those just nasally, congested-y. Enough to make you miserable, can't go out. Feeling kind of miserable. Not COVID, because I tested repeatedly and it was not. And I got over it relatively quickly, but it was still there and I'm hearing about a lot of people you know with a cough and a lingering cough and congestion and and then there's other people who are, actually have COVID and have tested positive uh, so I was wondering is it on the rise and especially this time of year as more people are going to be inside being first day of school, school. Uh, and it looks like it is uh, it is. It does appear as though COVID is on the rise again. Chief Medical Officer of Health, Dr. Janice Fitzgerald, joins me now. Hello, Janice Fitzgerald, on this beautiful day. Yes, hello. <laughs> so, I don't know about you, but I'm after hearing about a, quite a few people I know in my circle who have come down with COVID again. What's going on out there? 
Um, I mean, we certainly have seen a little bit of an uptick uh, in COVID, uh, but, you know, by and large, we're not really seeing an impact on our hospitalizations or anything at this point. Um, they've been holding pretty steady for the last little while, and, and we have been seeing a bit of an uptick across the country, so not unexpected, really, that we would see um, a few more cases here. So, um, you know, so, I, yeah, not unexpected, um, and, but also not, not really alarming at this point. How are you detecting that? Is that through wastewater sampling or through testing itself? Yeah, so we are doing testing. So, you know, people who are presenting to emergencies or um, in uh, or admitted to hospital or, you know, people who live in long-term care, personal care homes, those sorts of things, those, those people are still getting actively tested and we are monitoring wastewater still. And uh, so, you know, those signals are, um, you know, we're seeing that same little bit of an uptick, but, uh, but for the most part, holding pretty steady. And what variants are we looking at right now? Uh, so we've certainly seen uh, the variants that are the Omicron variants that are circulating through throughout most of the country and um, uh, not really a whole lot in the new variant that's been out. But, um, uh, yeah, so pretty much what, what we've been seeing across the country is what we're seeing here. Um, so uh, it, does this concern you now that, I mean, school opened today. Um, uh, does it concern you now that kids are starting to congregate and we get those big gatherings of people again? Um, I, I mean, certainly as kids go back to school, we do see a slight increase in some of the respiratory illnesses that are out there and circulating, and that's not unusual. You know, we always see a little bit of a an enterovirus uh, uptick in, you know, a couple of weeks after school gets back in. So, yeah, we probably will continue to see a slight rise in, in cases as as we all move back indoors, right? Um, and so we certainly wouldn't be surprised by that. Uh, but we're encouraging people, you know, we've, we've done this before. We did it last year, um, back to school normally. And, uh, you know, we, we're just um, repeating the same advice that we want you to make sure you wash your hands well, uh, use hand sanitizer, and uh, to stay home if you're feeling unwell until your symptoms have settled and you don't have a fever. Um, you can consider wearing a mask if you want to reduce the risk of spread or um and uh, and to make sure once our vaccine programs get announced and uh, are up in swing that you get out there and get your vaccine for the fall. So when w might they be ready? So we're still, you know, with regard to COVID, still waiting for Health Canada's approval on the, the vaccines that will be uh, approved for the fall. And uh, so uh, once that's uh, once that approval comes in, of course, we'll have a little bit more information and be able to give more detail. At the moment, it looks like, you know, as per usual, our flu vaccine will start, our campaign will start sort of mid-October, and we're hopeful that we'll be able to roll COVID out at around the same time. So I did notice that uh, quite a few people sick over the summer holidays. You don't typically see that, you know, in the summer months when you're thinking about being outside and air circulation and all that kind of stuff. But I did notice a lot of people did get sick over the sum summer, including, including myself, uh, tested negative for COVID, thankfully. But uh, so what kind of viruses are sort of spreading around there right now? Yeah, um, I guess, you know, we do see, it's not unusual to see these summer colds that you get from time to time. Um, and there's generally there's one that circulates um, pretty much every year. And so um, it varies. There may It may just be um, a bit of enterovirus or there may be other viruses that are circulating. But 
uh, you know, these typical respiratory viruses that you see um, circulating. But for the most part, enterovirus, adenovirus, those sorts of things are what we see. Anything of particular concern, especially as it relates to uh, COVID or just uh, keeping a mindful eye on everything right now? Yeah, we're just we're watching things very carefully, obviously, as we as we have been, Um, uh, you know, COVID is. I guess, relatively speaking, is it still a new virus, even though I know it feels like it's been here forever. But, uh, you know, we're we're still learning about what's going to happen with the evolution of COVID. And, and I think it's going to be another few years, really, before we know that for sure. Um, so we don't know what its pattern will be over the next few months. We do expect that there will be periods where we see increased transmission and then periods where it wanes a little bit. So that's sort of up and down throughout the fall and winter. Um, Um, What we know about flu, of course, is that usually it comes later in the year uh, or in the winter after Christmas, usually. Um, And uh, so we, you know, last year our flu season was a little bit early. And uh, but, you know, we're expecting a little more of a normal flu season this year. Um, So it's really important for people to get out and get their flu shots as well when that starts. So is that the big message? Yep, big message. Get your vaccines. Once we get once we get our programs, our, our campaigns on the go, and uh, uh, so, like I said, looking at probably around mid-October. Uh, more details to come, of course, on that. And uh, But, yeah, we would certainly encourage everybody to get out there and uh, get the vaccine, everyone who's eligible. Dr. Janice Fitzgerald, thank you so much. Thank you. And, of course, she was once a daily feature in our homes, on our radios, on our computer screens for ever so long. Chief Medical Officer Dr. Uh, Janice Fitzgerald. And um, we're this is the new normal. You know, it's been almost four years. Oh, I wouldn't have said that. Since we first started talking about COVID-19. Wow. And I really do feel that I've become a little bit complacent, especially when they stopped doing the radio updates. When they did the radio updates, I was masking. Yeah. And then when they stopped, they pulled back and then you have to kind of find the information on the Internet. I don't know. And, and of course, the, the cases went down and you felt comfortable not wearing a mask, but... If those numbers go back up, I have no problem wearing a mask again. I'm not really worried about wearing a mask in public. I, I, you know, like it doesn't bother me. So I'll judge it accordingly. Like if it's a lot of tight space, if you know what I mean, I'll I'll put one on. I've always got one in my pocket, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, And if I feel uncomfortable, I'm putting it on. Uh, But otherwise, um, you know, I, I have become an unmasked human being i go everywhere now without a mask i don't wear my mask but of course it's summer and you're feeling a little more bolder you know um and you're not noticing as many people going around (laughs) you know that at my lunch hour i went uh to the mall and somebody was coughing next to me my immediate reaction was to just hold my breath yeah, 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 for sure. I don't know if that did anything, but yeah, because no, hardly anybody's wearing a mask now. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, there are lots of nasty things going around that aren't COVID mm-hmm. that are still yucky and make you miserable. And I, I guess, I don't know if we've become less tolerant of that kind of thing now because of covid if you know what it I'm was saying. a wake-up call yeah because one time you'd say oh i think i got the flu and you go into work anyway and well, you do yeah. these things anyway and now you're like oh i got the flu i gotta stay home which that message should have been 
the case anyway. The case anyway, for sure. It, I believe if any good came out of COVID, it was that mentality from businesses saying, yeah, if you just got this, because you were, it was a badge of honor to come into work, you know. Really, yeah, you oh, sick, I'm so sick. But I'm going to come in I'm anyway. I'm such a little trooper. Yeah. I'm going to spread this that to everybody. That was the mentality. Yeah, exactly. You, you didn't want to call in because you had a cold. Yeah. You'd be frowned upon, I yeah. would suspect. Yeah, I used to always use as markers for my own self. Yeah. Throwing up. Yes. Or fainting. Or, or a fever, right? Those but were the three things. If you weren't doing or, those, or coughing, you're you good to go it. to work. But yeah. now, all that's changed now. I don't feel that way anymore, Yeah, of that's course. great. Now if, uh, now if I have a little tickle in my throat, I'm like, oh, I don't should know. I, I should, should call I my supervisor and just mm-hmm. ask, you know, should I come in? And they're usually like, no, stay home. Which is great. <laughs> right? It's a great time for that now. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, sensible too, especially for those who are vulnerable, right? Yeah. Because you don't know who you're sitting next to. And who they have at home. And who they have at home that they're really worried about. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, it's made us all a little more aware, I suppose, of how easily these things can spread. I know one thing. I'm a sanitizer. I'm a... So I was a lot, and I've noticed... Except for today, I've I, I sanitized everything, but I've noticed that I've become a little bit more complacent here. Mm-hmm. So I need to kind of I'm I'm glad you talked to her because now I'm. It was just a a reminder to me <laughs> to be a bit better and to all of us. Yeah, really. Um, anyway, uh, there we go. Uh, when we come back, I did mention about this uh, well-being week. Uh, we're going to hear more about that uh, when we come back after the break. This is News Talk on VOCM. Start your day off right. Get the latest updates on news, traffic, and weather conditions. Plus, interviews with today's newsmakers. Your go-to source before you get on the go. 5.30 to 9 a.m. weekdays. Your VOCM mornings. And we're back. Well, the provincial government has named September 17th to the 23rd as Wellbeing Week in Newfoundland and Labrador. Its purpose is to bring awareness to the impact of social factors on health outcomes and the quality of life. Premier Andrew Fury made the announcement today at Choices for Youth in St. John's. Choices CEO Sheldon Pollitt spoke at the event. Here's some of what he had to say. We work with young people every single day uh, to say that systems need to get better at collaborating um, is an understatement. I think we've known that for a long time. Uh, in terms of the direction, social determinants of health, we've also, it's not a new term, uh, but how do we get there? Uh, we've often looked at systems that I've said in the past, I don't know if it's been appreciated. We have systems that are addicted, pardon the unfortunate use of that term these days, uh, to crisis. Uh, I know many people working in the community, good friends, colleagues. I know many people in those systems, good friends and colleagues. They care about young people just as much as I do. But if we have a system that historically has taken a very crisis-driven approach to things, one, it's the most expensive response we can think of, but often doesn't lead to the kind of outcomes that lead to long-term solutions and uh, well-being of, you know, all folks that were and should be concerned with. So that's from Choices of Youth perspective, which is very consistent, I think, with the direction the province is going, but how do we get there? How do we transform uh, systems from a crisis-driven response to a more holistic, 
early intervention and prevention-based response. We all know an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. That phrase has been around a long time. How do we get there in terms of how we operate? Going back to my original comment around how the Downtown Healthcare Collaborative, as one of a number of examples, we've got an amazing partnership now with uh, Department of Education going in and supporting families in a different way when kids are at risk of dropping out of school. Guess what? That means they're also at risk for future, uh, you know, home you know, homelessness issues or housing stability and all the other outcomes that we don't want to see. So how to take that and put it in the forefront of how we design and plan things, which also needs to be incredibly evidence-based in terms of what is it we're trying to solve for, what are we doing that's working, and what are we doing that maybe not as working as well as it should be so we can learn from that. I know, Pat, from the perspective of a learning health system, that's what it's all about. Iterate, iterate. I said this building opened up and started operating as an integrated youth service site in 2004. Well, in honesty, it probably took us to 2015 before we really had learned enough about what that really means to truly be operating from an integrated service delivery perspective as we know it today. And there's a reason why every province and territory in the country is moving towards that model of mental health and addiction support to young people um, because it works and it's evidence-driven. Um, so if anyone has uh, caught, uh, you know, the series we did recently with The Signal on CBC, we brought in many community partners. We brought in national partners as well. Uh, and the saying goes here at Choice Field, I want to spend 10% of my time really, truly understanding the scale and scope of the issue and challenge in our community. I don't want to underplay it. I don't want to uh, minimize it in any way, shape, or form. But I actually want to spend most of my time talking about solutions. And they're out there and they're available to us. Um, you know, we have a province that can and should be a leader in this country in every area. Uh, involved in the announcement the Premier made this morning. Uh, how do we collectively get there is a challenge in front of us. We know there are real needs in the community that are growing day by day. One of the things that we, you know, at the Vulnerable Sector Task Group, I think it was called, during COVID, incredible work, community, government agencies working together through probably one of the more significant crises in our, in our province. Uh, many of us, including our government partners, were very concerned what comes out of COVID. Uh, and unfortunately, because as I said, nothing but a pandemic made risk factors for young people go down. I can guarantee you that. But unfortunately, what has proven true is that the risk factors have continued to rise with the hopefully uh, reduction in, in COVID and all that that brought with it the issues remain, and they're growing exponentially. If you look at from an affordable housing crisis to now what's happening from an addictions perspective, these are all indicators of all the parts of systems that need to be addressed and changed and have a focus on early intervention and prevention. So that's the CEO of Choices for Youth, Sheldon Pollitt, uh, and some of his comments in the wake of this announcement from the provincial government to naming September 17th to the 23rd as Wellbeing Week in Newfoundland and Labrador. And there's been a real focus on well-being, of course, uh, over the last little while. Uh, 
primarily through COVID, but especially now that we're seeing uh, some really devastating, um, some of the devastating impacts of uh, a variety of uh, issues facing um, all of society, really, in um, right across North America and around the world in the wake of COVID. Uh, we're seeing addictions on the rise. We're seeing uh, people dying from um, overdoses or drug poisonings. Uh, we're seeing just devastating impacts from all of that and of course poverty uh, another big factor in all of that so uh, all tying into the healthcare system of course um, and uh, there uh, that added focus uh, will be uh, part of what uh, well-being week is all about if you have any thoughts on that you are welcome to give us a call well uh, Claudette it looks like we have, um, the sun is shining, but we have a few clouds out there. Do you think it's a good night to go stargazing? Oh, that's a good question. Well, tonight we're having some fog in certain areas, so uh, it might be okay. It just really depends on where you are. All right, get away from the coastline then, or some of the higher elevations, but stargazers in the Northern Hemisphere can catch a glimpse of a newly discovered comet that's swinging through the cosmic neighborhood for the first time in more than 400 years. So uh, once in several lifetimes. Uh, scientists say the comet will come closest to the sun on or about September 17th before leaving the solar system again. But the comet is so faint that experts uh, ex suggest that you use binoculars if you want to see it. It'll be another 400 years before the wandering ice ball returns. So uh, for those who know what they're looking for, um, I would think it'd be hard to spot a faint moving object with binoculars unless you know exactly where in the night sky you should be looking uh, but uh, be that as it may um, if you want to catch a glimpse of this uh, this particular comet uh, now is your chance <laughs> uh, and it'll come closest to the sun so you'll see it the, a little bit better at night uh, around September 17th before it leaves the solar system again uh, this particular script doesn't name the comet so uh, if you're wondering what the name of the comet is, I can't tell you right now. <laughs> and a Victorian-style silver snake bangle that Freddie Mercury, the late great Freddie Mercury, wore with an ivory satin catsuit in the Bohemian Rhapsody video, and you can picture him now, can't you, um, has sold for the highest price ever paid for a piece of jewelry owned by a rock star. Sotheby's says the sale price of nearly 700,000 pounds more than doubled the amount paid for John Lennon's leather and bead talisman in 2008. The auction includes Mercury's flamboyant stage costumes, drafts to hitch such as We Are the Champions, and the baby grand piano he composed Queen's greatest hits on. Wow, that's like a rock and roll collector's dream. More than 1,400 items are being sold by Mercury's close friend Mary Austin, uh, who he held in very high regard, uh, to whom he left his house and all its possessions when he died of AIDS-related phenomena, uh, pneumonia, I'm sorry, in 1991. 1,400 items uh, in, uh, that were previously in Freddie Mercury's possession. And Arguably, he's one of the greatest rock stars oh, of all voice. time. 
so amazing. Although Adam Lambert did a very good uh, stand-in. Is that so, right? Yes. Yeah. I am not familiar with that particular yeah, performance. No, just um, just for him standing in for for Queen and just taking it on the road so that they could still have the same uh, onstage energy. I mean, you'd never replace Freddie Mercury, but um, it just amazing that his legacy can live on through other interpretations of him. Yeah, and it's amazing, you know, he's become part of the cultural fabric of uh, the Western world, really. Uh, now, you know, you hear it at games all the time, his famous Live Aid uh, performance where, hey and everybody goes, hey yes. uh, So they you do that now at all kinds that. of... Yeah. Um, you know, sporting events and mm -hmm. that sort of thing. It's a regular thing, and everybody just uh, contributes. I know when uh, they had the London Olympics and they played that performance that he did, and the entire audience just... You he was a the showman. Being there? Yes. Yeah. It, just as much as the amazing pipes. Yeah. A showman for yeah. sure. And commanded the, the audience. stage yeah. too. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So, wow. Uh, some great opportunities for there for anyone who's a collector and has the cash <laughs> to uh, to make a bit of Fr Freddie Mercury part of their regular lives. Just imagine now. Um, we'll be back tomorrow. Thanks for everything. Um, we'll be back tomorrow. So do join us then. And uh, bye bye for now.